What's going on, guys? Happy Monday. Sorry to interrupt podcasts here. This is our weekly podcast where we talk about everything in sports except the NFL. That is strictly reserved for Wednesdays. We jumped right in, Sean and I did, to Yankee Talk and the State of the Union. Then we went around AL and NL Baseball, talked about the playoff picture and a look ahead to the future. Then we jumped right into college football. We talked about our picks from last week and the notable games, looked ahead to the games up and coming and the notable games next week. Then we got a little NBA talk in because the Jimmy Butler situation in Minnesota is uh, quite interesting. So we talked about that and recapped a couple trades that are comparable to this current situation. Follow us on Instagram, sorry underscore sports. Follow us on Twitter at sorry sports. And always check out the website. Sean's got a new article about the Jets and the Giants and their two new draft picks up. And enjoy the pod. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. What's up, everybody? We are now back for our second twice-a-week podcast. We are doing our Monday today. Tom, what's up, man? It was a full weekend of sports. Yes, sir. Um, we'll talk football Wednesday, but I'm, I'm not too You're happy chopping at the it. bit, man. You're ready to go. I cannot wait for You got to hold back, though. We got to ring you back a little bit. Absolutely. So we have uh, college football, obviously, MLB, and then we'll talk a little bit of NBA because there is some news going around just to finish off the pod. Sounds good. Um, so let's jump right in. We'll talk about the New York trash. The New the York trash. Well, I've, after this weekend, we could kind of go in all different different uh, avenues for that, but we will be talking about the baseball team that resides in the Bronx. Yes. Um, dude, so we went on this pod last week, seven days ago. They were starting a series against the Twins, and I believe we said sweep, and then Toronto was coming into town. I believe we said sweep. Do you know what their lose, record was? Lose, lose maybe one game, just to be realistic. Two and four. Ah, that's fucking terrible, man. I mean, almost being no hit by Jake Odorizzi on Wednesday night. Luckily, Oakland um, didn't fare near you know as well either. So I mean, it, it's a moot point. They're running into the the freaking buzzsaw. Buzzsaw that Rays. is the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, Jesus. Um, I I really, you know, this team is. I say it all the time. MLB put out MLB on Instagram put out another power ranking today, and the Yankees are still secured the third spot. And it just does not feel like that no, at all No, because they're whatsoever. doing cumulative. They're a 500 team since July. I mean, I know they went on a downer last season, but it just doesn't feel the same. Well, last year they got hot in September. Yes. You know, they were they were a 500 team from like mid-June through, you know, the middle to late August. Remember them getting swept by, uh, by Cleveland in a series in the Bronx. I think it was like mid-August. And then they went on a roll, man. And the encouraging thing about what they did last September was, you remember, Judge was in that tailspin, and he got back, and they were beating the hell out of those bad teams and the teams that they were supposed to beat. And they never let Minnesota even get close to them where they well, could have... Well, one can only hope that, you know, I mean, aside from Judge getting hot, Judge just comes back and is Judge, period. Yeah, man. You know, I'm really getting sick and tired of hearing, like, 
I know it's it's lip service, and you know Girardi did that last year and every other year, and Tory before him, and every manager in the history of baseball will say it because they got to support their guys. But I'm getting sick and tired of Boone saying we got plenty of time left. There seems to be that level of complacency. Even Robertson said it after he blew that game in Minnesota. Well, what do you expect when your manager's saying the same thing? Exactly, but that's the thing. It's like you don't have a lot of time. You you're you know two weeks. We're recording on Wednesday. Two weeks from then is the AL Wild Card game. We don't know where that game is going to be held. I mean, the season could be over, dude, in, in 10 days. Yeah, I mean, for as much promise as there was, it's it's tough to say. But, you know, you got to look forward to next year, unfortunately, because this Yankees team is not going much further than possibly winning a wild card game and then facing most likely the Red Sox in a division series and, I don't know, sweep, maybe one game there. You know, the only thing the Yankees have is obviously forecasting for when you just look at the matchups is they own Price, and Price is supposed to be their number two. Um, Although Price has looked good, and he looked good against the Yankees in their in their last outing. He did against a very compromised Yankee lineup at the time. But yeah, you, you're right. He definitely threw better, dude. I mean, this lineup has been awful, and there's mm-hmm. no excuse for it now because McCutcheon Sanchez, has actually played quite well. San, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, the few bright spots is Didi's back, and he seems to be fully back, and. McCutcheon seems to be um, reinvigorated and, and he's playing got five really home well. runs. Yeah, no, he's playing really well, and you know he's going to be a good defensive player. But aside from that, there's really nothing. They haven't gotten much from first base since you know Voigt got really hot for you know a week and a half. Um, so the the rookies are starting to slow down, although Andahar is still probably leading the way. When and it comes it, to rookie he had that huge grand slam in that game. It looked like they might come back against Toronto on Saturday. Torres looks really young. Um, Stanton has taken a, an absolute tailspin uh, of recent times. He he looks like he did at the beginning of the season, just swinging at everything. So, I mean, I, I know he's an he's a nine year vet, whatever he is, ten year vet, um, and he'll he'll probably turn it around when when you know the games start to heat up. But these games are important. These games have started of, to be heating up, man. I'm I, I'm full agreement with you. I am absolutely tired of hearing this. We still got time. What are you gonna be saying then? The, the off season? Yeah, they're gonna be After saying in October. Right. Oh, there's next year. We got time. Yeah, I mean, give me a break. I, and and that's the thing, you know. There does seem to be this level of complacency where, you know, we don't know. Boone was on the Michael K show on uh, on Thursday, and they were interviewing him and talking about, you know, he had said like, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. You know, I am fiery. Like we almost defending himself, but also saying, ah, you know, we don't. I don't really read what the reports say. Everybody seems like they, from a fan perspective, wants him to wring his team out to dry. He's not going to do that. Not publicly. Not publicly. And I believe that he's, you know, we've seen him blow up at umpires and get fiery at times. And um, But there does seem to be a level of complacency on this team that wasn't there last year. I don't know if it was the fact that they got off to such a ridiculously good start and the young players got, you know, they were so good so fast that it seemed like they were essentially invincible, even with Sanchez and Bird being both hurt and and non-productive. But when they faced adversity, man, they they are they are losing games that they cannot lose. And I feel like this is a broken record. We've been saying this for the last month and a half. You can't lose to the Royals. You can't lose to the White Sox. Well, you, now you've lost to the Orioles. Now you can't lose to the Blue Jays. You lost to them. You've lost to the Twins. I mean, eventually, it's like. You are what you are, and even though they're a 91-win team, they're a 500 team now for the better part of two months. Yeah, man, and it's terrible. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to the Severino start against the Minnesota Twins. 
And me and you went back and forth, uh, you know, over the previous weeks to about a month about what we should do with Severino. And that wasn't the case when he was pitching against the Twins. I believe he gave up one run in five innings and he was in the 80s with his pitch count. Now, I mean, say what you want, like I said, for our arguments before that, whether you give him a phantom injury or whatever. It's too late to do that, right? Of course, because we're, we're in September now. You can't be putting him Two on weeks the DL. Left. Yeah, Wes. Absolutely. So you've done everything you pretty much can. They worked around it. You said it over the past three weeks. They've given him rest days when they didn't have to. They've given him every opportunity to catch a breather, regroup, and try and work out his mechanics and his stuff. And that game, especially when he's borderline dominating the Minnesota Twins. That was the best he's looked in a long time. Best he's looked since the All-Star break. Extra hop on the fastball. The slider had the really good tilt to it. Yes, and when he's pitching like that and Aaron Boone or whoever the powers may be pull him out in the fifth inning for for Robertson? Was it? Yeah, it was in the sixth inning for Robertson because he had thrown about 25 pitches in that inning. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Well, this guy you've given all this is what you gave him this rest for is to go out and dominate and look sharp. Let the guy throw seven innings, a hundred and a hundred and three, hundred and four pitches. If he gets in trouble in the sixth, so be it. Let him work through that. Because now I I mean you're you're half fucking pregnant with this rest thing, and then you're pulling him out after you give him all this rest. You're doing shit to the guy's confidence. Not only that, you're putting in, although Robertson's a very good pitcher, I mean, I think we can all agree Severino's the best pitcher on this team, one of the best pitchers in baseball when, you know, he's, when he's right. When he's right. And Sever, anybody's a downgrade from him, and why are you taking him out of the game when he's dominant? Why, I, why are you going back on everything that you're doing preparing him for this? If he throws seven innings in that game, I think he comes out the Severino of old or some some semblance of it. I don't know. I that decision I did not understand at all, and it ended up costing them the game. Yeah. So I'm gonna preface my response to that with I agree with you because I do. I was thinking the same thing watching the game live. Remember that was the game that they were being no hit by Odorizzi. I've never seen more balls hit hard than the Yankees had without hits, and you know it's kind of that when it rains it pours saying you know like they could have hit they hit so many balls to the to the warning track and all over and and you know couldn't couldn't get a hit till the eighth inning but going back to your Severino point I agree with you you know you've made this entire case and this entire you know done every decision that you can to give the guy extra rest and, and save the bullets in important games and whether you're playing the Red Sox or the twins every game now down the stretch is important and it seems like you know but then they part of the conundrum where they've been in is they seem to either play games where they're winning by eight runs by the time that those high leverage innings quote unquote come around where you're not using the Robertsons or the Britons or the you know when Chapman's healthy and Batances but then you know in games they're or they're losing in by the time that those innings come around and you don't want to use those guys yet and that was kind of where they were. They were trailing by one in a game where they were hitting the ball hard but being no hit. Severino's pitch count was up there in the sixth inning. He had thrown about 26, 27 pitches, if I recall. And it looked like he was starting to work harder, but he had started to get his swagger back. That was the first game where, you know, we mentioned, you know, what the pitches looked like. But it looked like his confidence was back. He had the swagger on the mound. He looked confident. He looked unhittable from his vantage point. You know, feeling really comfortable going against a, a Minnesota Twins lineup that, let's face it, is not great. Um, but we saw erupt the night before against the Gray-Loisaga combination. So, 
you bring in this you bring in Robertson early because you're also supposed to have the greatest bullpen even without Chapman your bullpen's so deep you go Robertson who was on a lot of rest you have Britton available who was on a lot of rest Batanza same thing and it's like they have no idea what they're supposed to do. Do we give our ace the long leash and let him throw a 35-pitch inning to get through it? Or do we bring in our super bullpen who hasn't gotten a yeah. lot of work lately? And, and and it seems like it's easy to second-guess when it doesn't work out. Actually, Robertson got out of that inning. It was the next inning he gave up the next two runs. But again, you could have saved him bullets, let Severino go back. But if Severino gives up three more runs, it's this guy's been struggling. Why are you leaving him in? It's been it's hard. It's it's one of those situations where you can go either way, but either way that it hasn't worked, and it's there's well, a lot of second guessing. Well, here's my thing. You've said that Severino is your ace, you know, which I completely agree with. Even when I was pounding the table for them to put him on the DL for for a week or or miss two starts. And the, the bullpen, I don't care about the names anymore, has not been great. By no, it has stretch of the imagination. So I don't care if you have, you know, Dennis Eckersley, Goose Gossage, you name every, Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, you have every fucking reliever in the, in the, you know, in the Hall of Fame. I don't fucking care. They're not put, they're not producing right now. And you've said that this guy is your ace since the beginning of the year, since last year. And you said you got to keep running your ace out there. Well, then stick with your ace, especially because these guys haven't been shut down dominating. But Tantis has been good. Aside from that, I mean, the rest of them have been subpar and very disappointing. And I can't wait for Chapman to come back. I saw he put up an Instagram that he's back in New York. I don't know where the hell he is. Yeah, he threw a simulated game today through 25 pitches. I I can't wait for him to come back because this bullpen has been incredibly subpar. And the thing that frustrates me with that one start and why I'm singling out this one game is because... Severino's your ace. You've done all that you can to rest him without putting him on the DL. You say he's your ace. You roll with your ace, especially with the state. I don't care whose name is you know pitching for that for that single uh, for that single inning. Severino's your ace. You got to stick with him. Yeah, it seems like it varies day to day, game by game, and well, also starter to, to starter. Plan. Stick to a fucking game. Plan. I know, and and that's the worst part is 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 when you have a super bullpen like this who's rested and needs to go. You know, we've seen it a couple times this year when they don't so, get their. What's so super about this I know, this bullpen, it's the names, bro. man. That's really what it it's is. It's killing me. I know. Trust These me, me too. And dominating. a lot of our fans, too. I mean, a lot of fellow fans, too. You know who has the best bullpen in baseball right now? The St. Louis Cardinals have the best bullpen in baseball right now. The Yankees maybe have a top five. Yeah, I think Chase and Shreve is having like just a ridiculous second half. Which Good for course, him, yeah, man. That's great. I mean, it's just, it really frustrates me because you go out and you say this guy's your ace. You say nothing's wrong with him. You're given him all the opportunities to perform well with all this rust i'm beating a dead horse at this point but this guy should have stayed in for that if he if he loaded the bases or or struggled of course yank him and see if robertson or canley or whoever can get you out of it but i know his pitch count was up but it's he still wasn't in that much of trouble let him pitch through and build off of it that's because that's what you've been saying for two months right this guy's your ace and he's finally pitching a somewhat ace-like performance and you pull him so you're gonna fucking go the opposite way that's what pisses me off you know what it is too is you this kind of inconsistent trend doesn't give you a blueprint for what they're going to do in a postseason game and i think as a starter no matter how good you are it's hard to know because if you give up one base runner your bullpen by name i know it hasn't produced but you got to believe you know when you have guys like robertson and green and and Britton and batanzas and chapman coming out that door 
the game shortened. We we talked about this in the middle of the season, particularly know, once they as, got Britain. But no, I agree with you because you from, also have an ace. This isn't the 2015 aside Royals. From, aside from Batances, I mean, this bullpen has not been shut down at all. Recently, no. and that's that's what frustrates me. You know this current state of your bullpen, and and we've talked this to death. But even you know Batanzas took state- the L yesterday. Yes, and but that's gonna happen with Batanzas. You got to take your lumps with him because when he's on, and he's recently been, you know, this whole season on, he's one of the best relief pitchers outside of a closer in all of baseball. Oh yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just really frustrating because they seem to flip-flop. And you're right. It seems to go day by day, starter to starter. But if you're going to call this guy your ace, start treating him like it because he's been up in the league long enough, and I've pounded the table and said that he's young. But if he's pitching like an ace that day, only giving up one run, he should be able to elevate his level to Oda Rizzi's level on that single day and throw no-hit ball with the guy. That's It's just ridiculous. It's the fifth fucking inning. The guy's got 88 pitches. This, you know, this isn't the Little League World Series. There's no pitch count. Let the guy pitch yeah especially when he's had as much rest as he's had now that kind of you know segues me into the next point of the guy who has looked well two who look like they need to pitch in the postseason as that wild card game Tanaka has been nails in his last four starts Mm -hmm. and uh and Hap has just been so steady and professional about as good as a guy that you could have gotten but the troubling thing is CC Sabathia laid another egg on Saturday against the Toronto Blue Jays that's two out of his last three starts where he's not just gotten hit he's gotten hit hard that start in Oakland he didn't make it out of the third and he didn't make it out of the third in this Toronto game either. Not giving your team a chance to win. I don't care if it's the A's who you're chasing in a play or who's chasing you in a playoff um, in a playoff chase, or if it's the Toronto Blue Jays whose season's over and they're getting young kids at bats. You cannot go out there in games that matter and continue to get hammered. Now I'm not going to overreact too much because he has been very steady. His ERA is still under four. I trust him in big spots, but another troubling performance. And it seems like they can't get all three facets, dude. This is when we were in the infancy of our podcast and we were discussing the Yankees in April and May, dude, this is essentially where we were as a, as a, you know, analyzing the team, right? I mean, not all three facets are working together in unison. The, on the, on from, the days when the lineup hits, they their their starting pitching gets rocked or their bullpen can't hold a lead. Yeah, the only difference was was that we were projecting Sonny Gray to be like an all-star. At oh the my God, of the year. yeah. Thank God that that's not the yeah. Now I don't think he's even got a future on this team. But then you know, same thing is you, you take yesterday. You score two runs in the first inning. McCutcheon leads off the bottom of the first with a home run. Lance Lynn gives you five shutout innings, strikes out seven. Um, the bullpen before Batantis is great. But the Yankees can't score more than two runs from the first inning against a lefty who's pitching to an over five ERA. And it made him look like freaking Steve Carlton out there. I mean, it's it's you, you can't have that. It's a game you got to bury those guys. Yeah, if you score two runs in the first inning, you got to score two runs in the third and then another two runs right. in the Right, and then they the score fifth. seven on Saturday, but it was all for naught. And especially they should have scored about 15 because in the second inning when they were down 3 nothing. They left bases loaded with nobody out and nobody scored. And that's been a trend. That's been a very disturbing trend and for a while now. I mean, I can remember that ninth inning against that Tampa, against Tampa Bay in that day game in New York where they had bases loaded, no outs in the ninth, and didn't push a run across. Just horrible execution with runners in scoring position. And, and, and it's guys who have the ability to hit. And you wonder... Has this lost year of Sanchez? Is it you know these are major bat hitters in the lineup that you were expecting a huge contribution from who aren't doing anything? And you know you don't want to get on Andujar and Torres even though they've built up the equity this year because 
shit, man, they weren't even supposed to be on this team uh, at this point when we, you know, rewinded six months ago. So you, you can't get on them too much. The guys who are who have the track records and are supposed to be doing better have not. Uh, yeah, and I, I completely agree with you. But the bottom line is this team needs to play a lot better. On the bright side, there are. It's it's a moot point. This week was basically a throwaway week because they're I think exactly in the same spot they were. Yeah, last one and week. a half up. Really, and a half really up. three in the loss column because they own the tiebreaker with Oakland. But yes, absolutely. So moving on to go around the league because I think we we sound really sad for a team that might win. Let's have something good to year. talk about next week, right? Let's yeah, let's, let's hope, hope so. that you know they got a series with Boston and then they they're home against Baltimore. So moving on, speaking of Boston, uh, they already hit 100 wins, which is just Amazing. this team has been absolutely rolling. I don't think they're going to break the record. I don't even know if they have a chance to break the record. But what are they at? 104 right now? Um, I'm not. I'm not even really sure to I be think honest. It's 104. With you. Um, but they they do have a chance this week to to clinch the AL East with about two and a, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Uh, that's crazy. Mookie Betts got injured, but I just looked it up. Uh, they don't think he's going to miss any time. So that's massive where he's a top three MVP candidate in, in the AL. They'll run so him out there till they clinch, and then they'll give him however much time that they deem necessary. Exactly. So we really don't have to talk much about the Red Sox. Um, Sale is just probably about the maybe second most dominant pitcher behind Jacob deGrom in baseball. Sad for Jacob deGrom. That's, it sucks to be playing for the Mets, but... You know, that guy has been having an all-time great year. Um, moving on from that, we have the Indians clinching the Central. There's really That's not really newsworthy. That team is just light years. We were years. just waiting for it to be official. Exactly. Yeah. That team is just light years ahead of any team in that division, and they could have slept their way to a division title after the All-Star break. Um, and then you look out west. Houston, uh, your World Series pick is starting to pull away. Yeah. They're four and a half games up. They look like they're starting to heat up. So, And they've taken advantage of Oakland having a uh, having a tough series down in Tampa Bay. Um, they lost the final game of their series in Baltimore. I don't think t- I don't think Houston's lost since then. So yeah, they're going to distance themselves. They'll clinch by this weekend or or early next week. I'm sure, Absolutely. barring anything unforeseen. Yeah, and the and the playoff picture. We'll just go over the you know who we think are locks and whatnot for both leagues. Now, the playoff picture looks to be pretty clear when it comes to the AL. The NL, on the other hand, it doesn't. But we'll get into that after after we go over this. So the Red Sox are going to win the AL East. The Cleveland Finish Indians with best record in the AL. Yeah. Yes, the Cleveland Indians have already won the AL Central, and then Houston looks like they're about to take the AL West. As for the wild card, it looks like I don't know who's where where it's going to be. Whether it's, it's Yankees, or New York, we just don't know where it's going to be. Yeah, those two teams look like they're going to be locked in and going to the postseason as for for the uh, for the wild card teams. But moving over to the senior circuit, um, it's it's looking really interesting. I mean, you got Atlanta um, who is close to clinching it, but I mean that division is still very interesting when it comes to the Phillies. But I mean. We don't have to talk about Washington anymore. No, that's just that's just you know that's done. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it looks really interesting. Atlanta is, I believe, what five games up, six games, seven games up on the Phillies. Yeah, they're four, they're actually four and a half up right now. Okay, and five, that's four and a yeah, half. Yeah, so honestly, I mean that the Philly went on a really bad run there, as did Atlanta, but Philly was even worse. I think they lost like nine out of eleven or something, and 
and you know basically conceded the division mm-hmm. as Atlanta of uh, both young teams that kind of peaked a year early Atlanta ended up grabbing that division by the by the throat and take it looks like they're going to take it good for them man I'm excited to see what they do in a postseason series particularly against you know basically every other team in the National League is far more experienced as far as veteran players are concerned and postseason pedigree so shit maybe they run on a Yankee run from 2017 and just they don't know any better and let's just have fun but they're gonna they're gonna get that Eastern Division pretty amazing yeah had Atlanta winning the East once you get in there and you're guaranteed a full series you really never know I mean when it comes to a wild card game it's usually just about whoever the best pitchers are and whoever the best bullpen and is. they do have the capability they got some horses in that in that rotation you know not battle tested you know Tehran seems That's like your he's favorite been, word, battle yeah, tested. He, he's been he's been probably their well, he has been their most tenured starting pitcher on the staff. Uh, pitched on a lot of bad teams, but you know you got Fulton Awich, you've got Newcomb. Um, I'm interested to see what they end up doing. Um, but yeah, who who in hell thought they were going to win the National League East? Yeah, man, it, it's really crazy to think. But I mean, again, looking back at it with that kind of talent. I mean, you definitely could have this seen could be it coming. The, this could be the first of another, what was that, 16 straight NL East titles from like 91 through 07 or something? Yeah, that could man. be like that again. You hope, I mean, it would be interesting to see, but you hope not for the Mets and the Phillies' sake and even the Nationals' sake, especially with all that talent down Don't there. Don't forget about the Marlins. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> God bless you, Jeter. God bless you. Um, so then moving on to the NL Central, the Cubs are two and a half games up on Milwaukee. Um, I think the Cubs are definitely just too talented to not take this division. Um, I think they're going to start to pull away, and Milwaukee's going to concede um, a wild card. And then looking out at the West, the most interesting division by far. We talk about it every week, but it really it never stops, man. Yeah, the Diamondbacks have kind of fallen back falling back a little bit um but you know the Dodgers and the, they had a rough series in in uh in Houston this past weekend they they had two of those games basically one and they and they blew them late yeah and I mean the the Rockies and the Dodgers are tied up in the win column right now and I mean a couple couple weeks ago the Dodgers had you know a, a good series against Colorado or no sorry the Rockies had a good series against the Dodgers in Colorado and then the Dodgers, I just watched that uh, the Sunday night baseball game. I mean, Puig got incredibly hot this weekend, but then they, they lost to St. Louis in the final game. So that division is going to go down to the last week, three games. It's going to be very, oh, yeah. very interesting. Oh, no, it 100% is, man. I mean, we were saying that too. You know, this was just going to be one of those divisions from the beginning of the year all the way to the end where you got three teams, looks like two now, that are just so evenly matched. And what was it, last week or the week before we were saying, yeah, it looks like Arizona's going to be the one to fall out. We we got Colorado and the Dodgers fighting to the death there. And, and that's how it's going to be. I mean, neither team is, is giving up, and, and they're playing their hearts out. This is what everybody wants in a pennant race because that second wild card, yeah, it gives people more live, but they – it also puts such a premium on winning that division because no one wants to play in a one-game playoff where anything can happen. Absolutely. So just to go over the playoff picture, Atlanta looks to have the NL East pretty much tied up. 
Uh, Chicago, you and I both agree. We think they're going to take the NL Central. I don't think it's going to be as easy as you do, though. I think it will go down to that last weekend because the Brewers okay. aren't going away. Yeah. But you think they're going to take it in the I end. do. Yep. And then as for the NL West, I'm th- I'm sticking with Colorado. I think that they Me have too. you know serviceable enough pitching, a decent bullpen, and that offense, man. Trevor Story is having a historic year for a shortstop. Arenado's probably a top five player in baseball. DJ LeMahieu's really good. Holiday's really shown something there. And Carlos Gonzalez looks to have heated up in the second half. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers took it, but I if if you had to make me pick a team, I, I think Colorado's just the better team, but slightly. But we'll those two will match up. And then as for the two wild cards, I think Milwaukee's pretty much got that number one wild card seed locked in. They're in a little bit easier of a division, and I just think that um, they're they're just already three games up currently, and I think that they're going to hold on to that, especially with Scope heating up and their pitchers. You know, although they've been decimated by injury this year, starting to round into form. Davies has looked really good lately. Even uh, Gallardo, who I mean, geez, what they pull him out of a coffin? He just <laughs> he looks like like he's a serviceable MLB pitcher. But as for that last wild card spot. If me and you both think the Rockies are going to win that division, then it's going to come down to St. Louis and the Dodgers. I mean, I'd love to hear your take first on what you feel about that. I think it's going to be the Dodgers. I do. But once again, I wouldn't be surprised either way. The Cardinals have been incredible since they made that managerial switch, and and they've made moves in classic Cardinal fashion. Nothing sexy, nothing big name, nothing crazy. You know, they got Matt Adams back. Carpenter's been probably the National League MVP, although story, especially if the Rockies win the division, we'll probably have something to say about that. Um, I mean, they're just so good. But the Dodgers, man, the talent on that team, I just can't. I have a feeling that they're going to win a game. Kershaw pitches a great game down the stretch. Puig's been hot, as you mentioned. They took two of three in St. Louis, which was big. Um, So, yeah, I mean, let's let's see. It's... I think I'm going to have to go with the Dodgers. How about yourself? I am going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals for all of those additions that you named and a few more players heating up. I think that this Kenley Jansen thing is a very big – I think it's a big deal, the the irregular heartbeat or whatever he has Yeah, that's on. no joke. I think Machado being ice cold is, you know, although he's heated up a little bit of recent, but he's still not playing. Has not lived up to that trade. Absolutely not. Especially Turner, since they won't resign Turner come, him in all likelihood. Yeah, I mean, that be that might be nice for the Yankees. Maybe they'll get him a little bit cheaper. It's still going to be a Don't crazy deal, it. but maybe they'll get him a little bit cheaper than before. Uh, Turner has not played um, well coming off the injury. He's got a couple bombs, but aside from that, there's nothing really else. And, I mean, listen, I know Puig had a great weekend and he ran into, what, eight home runs or something like that. But that guy, if you're going to count on Puig to be your best hitter, good luck to you. He's such a freaking wild card, man. They they rode that wave all the way to Game 7 of the World Series last year. I mean, that's what he is. When he's hot, he's prolific and can carry a lineup that otherwise hasn't necessarily lived up to the billing. But he can also just kill you with bad at-bats and lack of... You know, situational yes. hitting. Absolutely. And I mean, he makes, uh, aside from that, uh, base running blunders. He is what he is. Blunders. He is the epitome of if the Dodgers make it, he is what they will be, which is a wild card. That's Absolutely. exactly what he is. Yes. Um, but I'm going to go with the Cardinals for a few reasons. Moving Carlos Martinez into that already. Um, decent bullpen is going. He's going to throw like 105 miles an hour, rounding himself into form. He'll fit in there well with Jordan Hicks too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those guys, those guys throw throw heat for sure. Uh, they have a really good pitching staff, not 
bar quote battle tested as you would say but I think that they have a lot of good young pitchers going over and get Matt Adams is a is an understated trade Molina is Molina he's you know a veteran he's definitely battle tested and then another guy who I think is going to be huge for them is De Young who has heated up of recent and I think he's really going to help that team I think he's going to lead into that second wild card I don't know if it's going to get any further than that because I think Milwaukee's just a better team but I think that they're going to grab that second wild card and I think it has a lot to do with Martinez going to the bullpen, DeYoung heating up, and Kenley Jansen not being at 100%. Wouldn't be surprised. Would not be surprised in the least bit. They have a history, regardless of who their manager is, who their captain is, what their most, you know, who their ace is. It doesn't matter. It seems like they just find a way to get into the postseason and and wreck and wreak havoc. And you know, the Dodgers, same thing. Uh, they haven't achieved the way that I thought that they would. I really thought with some of the additions that they made, they would find a way to separate themselves from Colorado. They haven't, which is why I'm sticking with the Rockies to win that division out there in the West. But I just look up and down that lineup, and, even and you know, they have a Kershaw, who I know is a little off this year and, and hasn't been what he's been in the past, although he's spun some gems of late. The Cardinals don't have a guy like that, but the Cardinals bullpen-wise, particularly with the addition of Martinez, subtraction from the rotation, addition to the pen, I, I think that they're deeper there than the Car- than the Dodgers are. I don't know, man. Both teams, they've been in the playoffs essentially every year for the last 10 years between them each. They've had a lot of battles you know, in the NLDS, NLCS. We'll see what happens. Um Either way, I think that, once again, that will come down to the final Sunday, so we'll at least have one more week to talk about it. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, just looking back at it, AL's pretty much wrapped up. I mean, we And has been. We just don't know where that game's going to be played, exactly. and we don't know how both teams will go in. I mean, that you know, is Tampa the just took— domino to fall. Yeah, and, and just to kind of go off of that, not to cut you off, but, you know, Tampa Bay just took two of three from Oakland in, in St. Pete. By the time we're talking again, the Yankees go down there for four to finish up the season before wrapping up that final weekend at Fenway, all of which those games will probably be irrelevant. And shit, man, if they don't handle business against Boston and Baltimore this week, and they got to go down to Tampa for four, and this is a two-game lead or a one-and-a-half-game lead again, I am not surprised if we're if we're going to be seeing this game being played in Oakland. I, I completely Tampa agree scares with you. the hell out of me. Not Not just because of how they've been playing, but also down in in Tampa. This will be their World Series. Absolutely, yeah, man. They'd love nothing more than, I mean, not to knock the Yankees out of the playoffs, but to make them play that game on the road. And then as for the NL, it's a little bit more wide open. The divisions, pretty much, we agreed upon. Uh, Two of them look to be fully wrapped up. Uh, Well, one of them actually looks to be fully wrapped up. The other two are a little bit more up in the air, being the Central and the West, but we think the leaders right now are going to be the ones that come out on top. And then the wild card is a crapshoot. It's going to be really interesting. And like you said, it's going to come down to the last one, two games. Um, Getting back to the Rays just for a quick second. Gee, Kevin you Cash is, on for the Rays, man. Kevin Cash is my manager of the year. How, Dude, they traded everybody. Everybody that mattered. And they've been rolling with an opener. They don't even have a starting rotation. And they're they're they have like 81 wins. Yeah, no. I mean, Tampa, if they were in any other... If they were in the Central, they'd be giving the Indians a little bit more of a run for their money. But, yeah, I mean, Tampa always has these things where they're always a feisty team, even with the lack of talent and the shitty ballpark that's not even in Tampa. You got to give them credit, just from a baseball standpoint. Absolutely, man. That's man. that's, just 
super impressive. Absolutely. All right. So that wraps up baseball. Moving on to the next thing, college football. Um, we'll, we'll lead it off with, I guess we'll call them your Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, Roll Tide. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure, dude. For sure. Fuck uh, you off, know how Tom. I, you know my feelings. I don't care that. about your feelings. <laughs> all right. So they, um, At they all. rolled. They absolutely killed Old Miss with uh, the QB tandem. Although it looked like, t- uh, whatever the hell, Taglia Viola. Is that how you say it? Close. Tag of Viola. Tag of Viola. It's kind of every week he seems to build off of it. And by the end of the season, I think, you know, uh, Jalen, whatever, Hurts or Hunts or whatever the hell his name is, Hurts. he's going to be the backup quarterback. I, he basically I is. You know, as much of these college coaches are scumbags or whatever you want to call them, I mean, we got the whole Urban Meyer thing, Baylor, this, that, and the third. I mean, the list is, you know, 20 million pages long at this point. I really don't fault the gamesmanship from, um, er, from, what's Nick, his, Saban. from Nick Saban or from Dabo Sweeney. In playing both these quarterbacks and and not not giving the kid a straight answer saying hey we're going with the other guy if you want to get your transfer papers in sit out a year and then play whatever I respect the gamesmanship because you know what if whatever the Tagli Viola whatever the fuck his name is just say Tua yeah they're Tua so much easier for you Tua and you know if if Trevor Lawrence goes down. You still want you have national championship talent and and you still want to have that quarterback that's going to play instead of a third string guy who might be a walk on. Jalen Hurts played well enough to win a national championship against uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Clemson Tigers two years ago, and he's twenty eight and two as a starter, and yet that's not good enough because he doesn't add the dimension that Saban wants, which is really opening up the game and. We saw it a couple times last year, you know, for anybody that watches the SEC or Alabama in particular. I mean, the defense this year, they lost so many good players from that defense from a year ago. It seems like every year they lose four or five. And as a result, there's games where they actually do give up points and it looks like they can't stop them. The Iron Bowl last year, even the national championship game. Hurts doesn't give them the chance to play catch-up and play shootout football. But Tua does, and he's got just a beautiful release. It throws the ball forever right on the money. And I was surprised with Ole Miss, man, because they have given Bama fits before. Shea Patterson's a nice quarterback. Um, he's really played well in Ole Miss since his transfer from, uh, from Michigan. And in Oxford, I didn't think at all that Bama would lose, but I thought that that would be a game. 51-7, to seven. yeah, no, not even close. Texas A&M comes in when we preview this coming week's worth of games. We'll talk about that, but yeah, getting back to your gamesmanship, why the hell not? I mean, two is a little more of a renegade. He's a little more reckless. He's going to take those chances, and he's going to convert on certain plays that Hurts doesn't have the ability to, but there's times where you want to play conservative, milk-the-clock football, in certain matchups and at certain points in games, and Hertz is much better at that than Tua is. So they both have a skill set, and I think, you know, for Hertz's perspective, is he's got to realize he's not a future NFL quarterback. You know, he's a lot like a Deshaun, like a um, Terrell Pryor, a guy like that. He's got a nice arm, nothing special. He makes plays happen with his feet, he controls the clock, he doesn't make bad plays. That's why he's successful, and when you usually have the defense that Alabama does, you have the running game that Alabama does, 
you don't really need a quarterback to take advantage. But if you have the talent from another guy, why not use that? Because that's just making a great team even better. You're seeing that now yep. with Clemson too, as you alluded to. And I think you refer, you know, it's in the back of Saban's mind where the th- you know, he, he's never really had a great quarterback. I mean, McCarron's been his best. McCarron and, and you had McElroy as well, had a McElroy cup of coffee. McElroy was a game, was a game manager. Yep, yeah. I mean, but you, you refer back to that second Clemson, uh, that second Clemson where they lost the national championship. And game. no fault of Hertz's. That defense didn't get the stop in that no, final possession. But, but what you think is, and I think this is in the back of Saban's mind, we put that game away if we have a more offensive-minded and a, and a better non-game manager quarterback that can make a play. Which is crazy because he put up 28 points against a stout Clemson defense. Well, if her, if her, whatever, Jalen Hurts can do that, imagine what... Tua can do. Yeah, Tua, he would probably. And I think that's what's well, that's what he did against Georgia last year. When he, so, you know, Saban went out and got an actual talented quarterback, not just a guy who he knows is not going to make a Tyrod Taylor or an Alex Smith of college football who's not going to make mistakes, but he's also not going to make a huge play. They lose last year to Georgia if, the, if he doesn't make that move. And, oh, and, yeah. and because. I love Jalen, and he's he's fun to watch, and you got to respect the way he plays the game. But in a game where your defense isn't holding holding true, and and Georgia's running up the points, and it looks like the game's getting away, you have to make adjustments. And and we we weren't a podcast at the time. You obviously credit Saban for making that move. You knew it was going to create a quarterback controversy. They're both great. They haven't been. They haven't had to really face a tough competition yet. We'll get into that as the season progresses. I was shocked by how much of a blowout that was, though. I mean, I, I was disappointed with Ole Miss. That was bad coaching. Didn't look like they had any preparation for that game. And although Bama's really, really good, they're not that good. That was a bad performance by Ole Miss. Yeah, from another SEC team, especially at home, you hate to see you know, a lousy seven points, even against an NFL-caliber defense, which is on, Which is still a growing defense. This is not the best defense Alabama's had in a, in a while. This is this one's gonna. This is a lot of young freshmen and sophomores. Now, they'll round into form because that's what Saban does, but from a talent perspective, this is not a great defense. So, yeah, I mean, that was just horrible. Which is scary to think because if they're all young, they're going to get better because, you know, these are blue-chip guys. And oh, of year, course. They're going to be even it's better. A, yeah, I mean, it's a factory that they run down there, with, with especially on the defensive side of the ball. But you mentioned the SEC. I think the next game we need to get into was the game that we highlighted big time. It was the LSU-Auburn matchup in Auburn. Yeah, we, we, we called that game wrong, We and I, I honestly have to say I was really disappointed in Auburn across the board. Um, you know, you don't want to blame the referees, but I think it was kind of a terribly rough game, especially when you're when you're refereeing the game in Auburn. Couple pass interference plays were just boneheaded plays by the defense, but I believe they had five or six called on them. There was a few where it's like keep, keep the flag in your pocket, bro. Come on, seriously. And you know, I think that they the were, SEC refs do have a history of that. They were anemic on offense as well. They, you know, their their running back got hurt for for about three series, but aside, you know, on a, on a kick return that he did bust off and almost score a touchdown on. But I mean, they're. They just did not look like the number, what, seven team in the country or whatever they no, are. No, and Steedham didn't look great. No, he did not. And I think he's a big-time uh, quarterback prospect. He seems to throw really well on the run, but he can also, you know, get to that second read, um, which is important in the NFL. But he threw one or two really costly interceptions as well. LSU, I think this is good LSU. We talked from that first week against Miami 
shit, man. You go into Auburn and you win a game like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's impressive. They, it looks like gonna, they have a quarterback who can make plays finally. It looks like they finally have a quarterback who can make plays and win new games, uh, which is kind of unheard of. Orgeron getting that full-time gig after being uh, after being named the uh, interim, interim last year for um, for Les Miles. Shit, man, good for him. He that was a signature win for him and a signature win from a program that always has the talent, always has the elite athlete, but doesn't seem to have the ability to win the big games in the SEC West against an Alabama or an Auburn. I tell you, if they can run the table for another month and a, a month and a week. You got that the first Saturday in November is that LSU Alabama game. Both teams could be undefeated. That could be a show. I mean, it. Where is it? It's in LSU. Oh wow! So yeah, we take a trip Death down Valley. There? Oh, I'd love to, but we if only will not. we could get a sponsorship. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we got some time. Um, come on, guys. No, but seriously, it's a. Uh, it that's a team now that you have to put on the radar and I know it's early, but that's, you don't get a lot of opportunities for signature wins early in the season as conference play is still starting to build. That was a signature win. And, and for Auburn now they've got to, they got to pick themselves up and get ready to try to run the table till the iron bowl. in Tuscaloosa. Say, they're they're going to have to run it right up to when they play Alabama. Um, the next game after that is Iowa state, Oklahoma, number five, Oklahoma. I think they fall out of the top five even after a win because they only won by 10 points, and I think that should have been a two-touchdown game at the very least. Yeah, um, but we I mean, talked I know about you it. say, you know, upset central and this, that, and the third, but, you know, you got Kyle, uh, Kyle McMurray or whatever his Kyle name Murray, is. Kyle McMurray, yeah. Whatever his name is. I'm not good with college football names. I'm sorry. Get over it. I don't fucking care, okay? Why don't you just get the names right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Taglia Viola is very hard. Um, That's why his first name's Tua. Yes, exactly. Get on with your analysis. Um, I think that you know if you're if you're serious about making a, a top four run and going to the playoff, you got to win that game by 14, 20 points. I think later in the season they might have, but that was his first real test, man. I mean, UCLA sucks. We, so would you t- call him battle tested now? No, not yet. <laughs> I don't know the joke, man. Like everybody uses that term. Um, you're such a clown. But no, I. Uh, I, I think Iowa State's always a com- competitive game in, in Ames. I mean, they that's yeah. not a bad program. They're not in the elite of the Big 12, but they always play well. Kyler Murray's first road start against an actual opponent, sure, why not? A win's a win. A win's a win. Take it. And I think we know that unless something crazy happens, he wins the Heisman and changes his mind, he's going baseball. So of course. Why doesn't he just enjoy this year? I don't think they're going to lose any spots in the rankings. If you win a game on the road in conference play when there weren't a lot of other crazy wins, you know, LSU will usurp where Auburn was essentially. There weren't a lot of other big losses. So I think they're fine. I think they're they're right there uh, at five. I think they'll stay there. And there you go. I mean, they're they're gonna have games, you know. They're gonna play Bedlam against Oklahoma State. That's usually in mid November. There's a couple other games that they'll get an opportunity. You know, when they play TCU, that'll be a good game because TCU hung there with Ohio State, which we'll get into. Other than that, there's not the Big Twelve is is not deep. West Virginia is very good. I don't think they play this year though. So unless Greer, you know just goes absolutely nuts and can overtake or at least put, you know, that West Virginia at number two in the big 12 as far as standings is concerned against Oklahoma. 
take a win. You're on the road. Kids first start on the road. Battle tested. He got the win. Oh, stop it. All right, so moving on to the other team from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Uh, beats up on Boise State, and I think that the Cinderella story ended a little bit earlier for Boise State this year. That uh, Mike Gundy offense was—they um, were really good. That was a Big Twelve. That was a Big Twelve scoring <clears throat> game for them, yep. <clears throat> and that's what that conference is about. I mean, they're—they're they're, you know—they're replacing. They replaced uh, Brandon Whedon with um, Mason Rudolph, and now they've got their next guy in. And those quarterbacks are groomed to throw the ball a lot to spread it out and a lot of five wide receiver sets, score a shit ton of points. That's what they did. Boise State's got a really good defense, but they were not prepared for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Oklahoma State's probably you're going to see him creep up to maybe number fifteen this I'd year. I'd like to see Be- I'd like to see Bedlam be competitive. Or, you know, I'd like to see that game mean something when they play because last year it did. And and if you remember it, it was a shootout in Stillwater between Baker Mayfield yep. and Mason Rudolph. They that both went game. nuts. I think that game ended in the in the fifties actually between both squads. I'd like to see that happen again this year in Norman, Oklahoma, where the Sooners will be home. Maybe that will be Kyler Murray's signature game in the only year that he plays. Absolutely. He'll definitely be battle-tested after that one. But moving on to the next Fuck one. you. <laughs> moving on to the At next one. I can one. say the kids' names right. It's true, but whatever. I'm over that. Um, the next one, and this one you don't really see very often, especially early in the season. You got Wisconsin at home losing to BYU. And you don't really see Wisconsin lose early in the season, and you never really see them lose at home either. Yeah, so that I, I will stand corrected as far as big upsets are concerned. Yeah, I forgot that they were ranked that high because I just always think of them as a as number a, 10 team right around that range. Yeah, well, right around there. And I always think of them as a team that builds as the season goes on. I forget how highly they get ranked. But in a down year in the Big Ten, you know, you got Ohio State. And, you know, that's kind of it. Penn State's not there yet. Um, Michigan is just terrible. Michigan sucks. Always. And Michigan State's on a down year. We saw them lose to Herm Edwards out in, out in Arizona last, um, last week. So... Yeah, man, BYU, good for Who's them. Who's been upset, by the way, but to uh, – I don't really think we need to talk about this much, but San Diego State, 28-21. Yeah, so. it's an upset. Letdown game. Letdown game. You know, they're not a great team, but getting back to getting back to Wisconsin's loss at home, that's a bad loss for that program because unless something really crazy happens, I still think that they're going to be in line to play Ohio State in the big 10 championship game, but that's a tough loss. And I want to see, you got to run the table after that. Yeah. They, they can't lose uh, the rest of the way. And um, I don't know who else is coming out of that. I mean, Penn state is undefeated, although they've been, they, they've kind of dealt with some bad, they haven't played well against a couple of teams that are not really up to their, up to their caliber, but they're playing Ohio state next week in happy Valley, that's going to be a big game. Not this week, the following week. Um, until then the big 10 is just so up in the air. It's Ohio state and nobody else, but boy, that's a bad loss for Wisconsin, a team that doesn't usually lose games like that. Credit Absolutely. to BYU. That's mm-hmm. a tough game on the road. And, and I bet risky every couple of years. Yeah. I bet you that they really took Wisconsin by surprise. Yeah, no, absolutely. They probably came out hot and, you know, just, the, it's a, one of those. It's one of those 11 a.m. games in Wisconsin. Like yep. that's early, and even though that's a well-coached team, and that's a team that 
plays well, particularly as the season goes on, and they're always there at the you know in one of the Big Ten championship, or they're finishing with one of the best t- records in the Big Ten. That that they got snuck up on and they got punked. So I'm interested to see what they do in a, in a year where the Big Ten is kind of down. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, moving on to the next game, the probably best team in the Big Ten. They're probably going to be the best team all year. They're probably going to end up in the Final Four. Ohio State beats TCU. You and I talked about this a little bit earlier. It was a fun game up until about mid-third quarter. And then uh, Ohio State got a couple interceptions, a couple big-time sacks, and they started to roll, and it turned into somewhat of a blowout. Yeah, they weren't athletically better. You know, I I don't th- I didn't well, they watch were also missing the probably their best defensive player in Nick Bosa. Yeah, I mean he got hurt in the middle of that game and had to leave. Uh, he was just wreaking havoc, man, for the first half of that game. He was involved on every play. But the Horn Frogs are pretty good, man. They especially where they were playing in Dallas and indoor, they were airing it out, playing that Big Twelve style of offense against a, a Big Ten defense, particularly a really good one. But I don't I didn't see. Ohio State, you know, flex any kind of athletic muscle yeah, over quarterback them. Quarterback look good, but they are just a better team, mm-hmm. and they showed that particularly as the war of attrition went on into the second half. You know, the Horn Frogs using that momentum of the home crowd, they were allowed to play down in Jerry World. Ohio State fans travel, we know that, but that was a home field advantage for TCU. Um, Ohio State, you know, that was their first real test. Good for them, you know. I really, I, I really hate them. And no offense to their players, it's just obviously how we feel about Urban Meyer, who will be coming back this week to yeah, coach on a full a time. Release and I don't want to hear it. And you know what? Yeah, we're, not gonna, gonna we're not going to we're not going to give him the the time of day. It's not worth it. We've said our piece, and every listener knows how we feel about him. But um, Dwayne Haskins is legit, man. And and I was listening to um, to a podcast, and uh, they had. Um, they had uh, Kirk Herbstreit on, and he made a really provocative statement saying that Dwayne Haskins might be the best quarterback that Urban Meyer's ever had, which is really saying something just going off of collegiate quarterbacks. I mean, he had Tebow. He had Alex Smith. He's had Terrell Pryor, who was a good college quarterback. He had Cardell Jones, who was a good college quarterback. I mean, he's got, he's had guys. He's had even more than that, guys that we're forgetting as well. Right. So, I mean, to say that he might, from a, from a talent standpoint, be the best, I watched him Braxton make some. Miller? Th- yeah, even him. I mean, but, but Haskins made some throws, man, that were just impressive. He's got a cannon. He's accurate. He doesn't run as much as some of the other guys that we mentioned, but he has the ability to. He's got such a strong arm. In a down Big Ten, I fully expect them to go. But that game against Penn State could be tough because Penn State at home, even though they lost Barkley, McSorley is a really good quarterback college-wise. We'll be previewing that one next week when they play it uh, in two weeks. But until then, it's Ohio State's conference to lose. All right, so moving on to our final notable game of this past weekend, we have Washington uh, basically just taking care of business in Utah, winning 21-7. I think they're definitely going to hold on to that 10th spot with that win. That's a good win on the road for Washington, especially in a tough place to play in Utah who never takes it easy on anybody. No, that's a good point by you. I mean, I, I definitely agree. I thought that that was – it wasn't a sexy win. It wasn't a flashy win. It was nothing that was super compelling, but take care of business. We've been saying all year that when push comes to shove – Washington's the best team in that conference, and there's not really a team that's going to challenge them all that much. 
you know, Arizona State had that nice win against Michigan State. They followed it up with a loss to San Diego State. Like you said, kind of a letdown game. UCLA looks really bad. USC got trounced in Texas. We won't talk about how Texas is back because they are not, although good win for Tom Herman. I do think he's he's the best choice for that program going forward, and he'll have a chance to lay his blueprint on that program, which desperately needs a turnaround because it is one of the blue bloods. But, yeah, the Pac-12 is no good. So good win by Washington. They'll be there. Remember, they lost to Auburn. There's a good chance that they'll go the rest of the season undefeated, play in that Pac-12 championship, win that Pac-12 championship, and then you know have a chance to wow the voters to get into the Final Four again. Absolutely. So uh, now let's look ahead to this up-and-coming week. So might as well lead off with the number one team and then probably the second most talked about team behind Ohio State, Alabama. They're going. Um, they're going to be at home against Texas A&M. What are your thoughts on this game? Uh, the spread's 21, uh, 21 and a half. I, I don't know. I, I, I fully expect this game to be a cakewalk for Bama. But from a gambling standpoint, it's probably a stay away game for me. Yeah, I mean, I want to get your take from the gambling perspective on it, but just from what I would acknowledge as a fan is the games in Tuscaloosa, which is always an advantage. If Tua plays the way he has, shit, man, that's 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 easy. But I want to say something about Texas A&M. We spoke to it last week after you know reviewing that matchup. Now they were home against Clemson, but they played Clemson really, really tight. And Clemson, I think, aside from Alabama, is the best team in the country. They're the best defense in the country. I know that. And A&M put up twenty six on or uh, twenty six on them. Um, so I don't know. Do they? Does Pond play well? I think there's a good chance that he does. Um, but I also think that there's nobody more complex at disguising defenses than Nick Saban is. He's going to have those guys ready. I think that game is one of those games where it's close in the first half. And then they by close, away, it's yeah. 14, 13, but A&M makes some plays. And then by the time the third quarter is over, it's, you know, you're seeing Jalen Hurts and the third team in there. I mean, listen, I think they get a lot of respect with this spread, but I just think for me personally, it's just a little bit high. I, I, it I could just, be. A&M has won now, not under Jimbo Fisher, but they've won some big games in A&M, especially or in uh, Tuscaloosa. That I was, think Alabama is easily going to win by 17 That was Johnny points, Manziel's coming out party. Against Alabama. Against, yep. against a, a, an eventual national championship Alabama team. So Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think this their Alabama is going to roll and probably win by 17 points. If this line goes down a little bit, I'd be happy to throw some capital on it. But I, I just those, that line being that high, you never know what's going to happen. Alabama could just try and manage the game, but you know, I, I think that they'll probably end up winning by that much. But I'm not going to put any amount of money on it. Um, but moving on to the next game, you using have, that college football acumen of yours. Thank you. Um, so moving on to the next game, it's number 23 currently, Arizona State. Uh, they're going up to Washington, and I think that I think that the Washington's definitely going to take this game. I, I don't really know what the spread is on this game, but I think that Herm Edwards is probably going to be outcoached, and I think Washington's going to out-talent Arizona State. But it's going to be a little bit closer than probably what the line re- like reflects. Yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, this game goes one of two ways for me. Washington shows that they are the cream of the crop in the Pac-12, like we expect them to, and they roll the rest I, of the way. I'm going to root for Arizona State. Oh, me too. I think it'll be incredibly exciting if, if Herm Edwards can go up there and get that win, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't either, but I'd love to see it just like you. I'll be rooting for, for them, and, and 
that would throw quite the monkey wrench in the Pac-12. Yeah, absolutely. So the the final game we're going to talk about, number seven goes up to Eugene, Oregon, and plays number 20, Oregon. Um, The spread on this game, two and a half points. Stanford is favored by, a road favorite. I think that Stanford's probably going to win this game by a touchdown. Yeah, I could see that. Oregon's been sneaky. I mean, it seems like they're trying to build back from those Chip Kelly years, and and they're starting to establish a little bit more of a pedigree under their new coaching staff. Remember, their former coach just went over to uh, to Florida State, who has not fared well, and you even said maybe he should have stayed up there in Oregon. But um, to their credit, they, they've bounced back. They've had a really nice early start to their season at 20. Stanford's good, man, and I know that I've said it's a down year in the Pac-12 because I do think it is. Stanford is one of those teams who every year lose a game that they shouldn't lose, sometimes two. I mean, Washington lost to Auburn, an SEC team that is far more superior than them. I'm not going to kill them for that, especially if they take care of business. Yeah, I mean, this could be one of those trap games for for Stanford. Uh, Bryce Love, is if he can control the ground game, then they'll win. But that's a raucous crowd in Eugene. They 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 show up to those games. That's I where college think, game day is this week, and and maybe they ride that wave. I think Stanford with um, a much improved offense and that defense still being pretty stout. I think that they're gonna win by about a touchdown in in Oregon. And I'm even sure with the raucous crowd and college game day and all that good stuff. Yeah, and I'm sure people who are listening to the pod who who love college football are saying, why did they never talk about Stanford as that second team in the Pac-12? I don't have much to buy with them, man. They, you know, they they're a run team. They're always a good defense. They're always steady. You're never surprised when they win. But I'm telling you, look back at the tape. They've lost a lot of games in the last few years that they just shouldn't lose. And Washington has been the Pac-12 leader the last few years. And until they go down, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna concede with them. I, I think they're the better team when push comes to shove. Stanford needs to show me a little bit more something. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a win in Eugene is a pretty good show I mean, me there's, game. Yeah, I mean, they're seven in the country, and good for them. I mean, probably the least talked about number seven team overall, but I, I don't think that they're that great. I think that they've gotten – No, not at all. I just a, think they're a lot better than Oregon, that's all. Yeah, and, and we'll definitely see that. I'm looking forward to that game. This is a slate this weekend that's not all that compelling. I was looking ahead at the schedule, and I was like – Shit, we're really reaching to talk about Bama A&M. Shit, we're really reaching to talk about, you know, Washington, Arizona State. And, and as we said, you know, there's not much else. But we're going to be, you know, getting into that grind in another week. Once the calendar flips to October, that's when it starts getting real. Because remember, the college football season really ends around Thanksgiving. But there's a couple weeks before the Thanksgiving rivalry games that really aren't big aren't a big deal so there's like a month there from like early October through like the second week of November that's that's really that's the meat of the season yeah and I can't wait for it it's going to be a lot of fun um but now we're going to talk about one more thing uh, a little bit of NBA news coming across the the board the last couple days so the Minnesota Timberwolves according to all accounts um have a last-ditch effort to talk to Jimmy Butler. Didn't really know, realize they needed a last-ditch effort to uh, talk Jimmy Butler into signing, but he is an up-and-coming free agent within the next few years. And, I mean, even though I'm sure he loves Tom Thibodeau, who was the guy who gave him his first opportunity in the NBA, um, and aside from, I think, a year and a half with Fred Hoiberg has been his only 
head coach in the NBA. He's not happy in Minnesota. Supposedly he's really not happy with the play slash intensity of the younger guys in the end um, on that team being Andrew Wiggins, who has been very underwhelming as a draft pick, if you ask me, being the number one overall pick. Getting compared to LeBron James coming out of Kansas and all this other shit. And then Carl Anthony Towns, who I think is a tremendously talented offensive player, but sometimes you don't see the effort on defense, and I don't think he's really taken that leap forward going into his fourth year. Um, But going back to the trade, um, things are really interesting because the Timberwolves gave up a good amount to get him. They gave up Zach Levine. I understand he's coming off an ACL, but the guy's got talent. He can put the ball in the basket. Um, They also gave up Chris Dunn, who was a lottery pick the year previous, who is another guy who is a a good point guard, long, athletic. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that plays for the Chicago Bulls for a few years. And most importantly, I mean, a guy, Laurie Markkinen, who, you know, was probably in the top three of Rookie of the Year voting last year. So they gave up a lot to go and get Jimmy Butler. And the fact that they're having, quote-unquote, last-ditch meetings already for this guy, it's only been one season, is really interesting. Now, I, I want to look at it from the other side, if you if you don't mind, and talk about some teams that um, Please. that are trade candidates um, by all accounts on most credible websites online. I'm not going to shout out any of them individually, but we can go over five teams with the cap space and with the pieces that could get him. Um, the this first is GM team, Tom, by the way, everybody. The so. first team, yes, I can be an NFL or or a uh, or an NBA GM. Any other sport? Sorry, I'm out. But if the anybody's listening, throw my hat in the ring. I'll be the Knicks GM. I'll be uh, the Jets did a decent job this year. I'll be the Giants GM. Uh, yeah, I could I'll, do a better right job now, than Eric Flowers. GM I'll tell by you day, that shit. podcast host by night. <laughs> exactly. So the first team that is the consensus by all accounts team that could go out and get a guy like Jimmy Butler. You sitting up straight? The Brooklyn Nets. They have a ton of cap space. They actually have the ability to sign Jimmy Butler to a full max and another player going into free agency next season to a full max contract. Not to mention they have young pieces that they can go out and get them. They can. They finally have draft picks. They can offer those draft picks as well as a guy like Ronde, Ronde Hollis Jefferson, who I know you like, and an expiring in uh, Damari Caller, who still has a little bit left in the tank proven after last year. So that's the number one team. They have a point guard surplus, too, because they're, just to mention them, you know, they, they have, they D- have Spencer Dinwiddie. They have D- yeah, they have D'Angelo Russell and Dinwiddie, both of which whose contracts will be up. They're going to have to make a decision with them. Uh, Napier is no more than a backup. So, yeah. All right, that's all you have to say? That's it? You're not excited about that? You know what? I'm going to decide when to be excited when people voluntarily want to come to Brooklyn or when trades make sense, you know, because we well, all I think know... Jimmy Butler is an interesting thing because if you get a guy who's 29 going on 30, probably one of the top 15 players in the league, it makes it really interesting here's what for I a wanna, free agent to it, come. Of course it does. Here, Here's what I want to say. That you know, guy carried... A dragging a Timberwolves player. team Listen, to the playoffs last year. He got his start by beating the Nets in the postseason. Trust me, I I know how good he is. Um, I I still think Kawhi is a, is a legitimate op- possibility for the Nets. Okay. I I think I I don't I know they've talked about wanting to play together as has Butler and Kyrie. It seems like all these guys want to play together. Unless you're sure that he wants to be there and not just get paid. Like a la Darren Williams, I'm not gonna be in a 
in a in a rush to trade all my assets yet. I, Young players and and I agree the first draft the picks we finally have. I agree with you in the sense of Darren of comparing him to Darren Williams contract wise, but I think they're two totally different players. Darren Williams, you never really saw any fire, any fight. Jimmy Butler's a dog, well, man. No, man, but there were times. I mean, Darren Williams. In he was playoff, a talented player. No, but. no, but in playoff series, he he willed the Jazz to some wins, and he was there was conversations. It was one and one a him and Chris Paul, and you don't know what a guy's going to do until they get paid. And I know Butler's had some injury histories. He's going to choose where he wants to go, but I think a lot of it's going to be depending on the money. Of course, if the Nets have it, I'm not going to get super excited because a I want to see somebody voluntarily choose Brooklyn. And B, I want to of 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 Butler's caliber, and two is I don't want to see this team that's been you know slowly slowly rebuilding, building a nice product, throw everything away for a guy who might not want to be there long term after he gets paid. Keep some of your good young assets and keep some of your picks. And if you know, I would explore it more from a free agency standpoint and just you know, listen. We're gonna keep some of our young guys. I, I, if they had Russell and Kawhi, and then everybody else, I think I would be happy, and then build some other players around them. Well, I think the Jimmy Butler thing. Before we go into a few other teams, that you know, last year when when the Oklahoma City Thunder traded for Paul George, I think that opened the door for other teams to be taking chances on these guys because you say, hey, you get a guy in here, you get him winning with the Nets, maybe they'll be, if they get Jimmy Butler, I think there may be a 6, 7, 8 seed in the playoffs as long as everybody can stay healthy. Maybe we got a chance to re-sign him. George, for some reason, who knows what the conspiracy theory is, re-sign instead of taking the max from I the just, Lakers. I, I think that that's the Brooklyn Nets point of view. Maybe they have a chance. Yeah, I mean, they did that. And then they, they have a chance that. to attract another guy like a Kawhi, like a Kyrie. They did that with Williams. I mean, signing a guy like, getting a guy like that in a trade shows that you're going for it. But you also don't want to do it at the risk of depleting some of the good young talent that's on your roster. I don't want to trade a Chris LeVert. I know he's not going to be Jimmy Butler, but he's a really good young player. Hollis Jefferson's in a contract year. Wouldn't mind that. If they choose between Dinwiddie and Russell and they use one of those as trade capital, that's fine with me, especially in the middle of the season. Uh, but I also don't want to see them mortgage their future. Keep some draft picks. You know, you're not going to win it all next year. And I don't want to see them do what they did in 2013, which is when they thought that they were two years, uh, you know, they they had the nucleus of, of a Joe Johnson and a Darren Williams and a Brooke Lopez. All you needed was... I know Butler's much better than Pierce and Garnett were at that point in their career, but they gave up the house for him. Build your you. own. But, yeah, I mean, the, the trade that I just told you, if you give up a Dinwiddie or a Russell, and maybe oh, not even that, but a Hollis, Hollis yeah. Jefferson, and, and, a, and a one first-round pick. Let's not talk, you know, three unprotected or de- anything. I think it depends Jimmy, on Jimmy, that's a trade that depends you have what to other make. offers are out there, though, because mm-hmm. – you Absolutely. could hold the Nets at gunpoint and demand two first-rounders, and then all of a sudden everything changes either if he doesn't re-sign or if he re-signs and you don't get anybody else. All so right. let's go on down the line. No, I, I, I'm always excited, but Moving. they've been so bad for so long. I can't get too amped yet. Of course. I, I, I completely understand you keeping your guard up because I am too for my next for my next team. The New York Knicks. Again, they have enough room coming off the books. They're going to do something. They're going to, you know, send Joe Kim Noah to the big three or wherever the hell he's going to go play basketball. <laughs> See you later, Phil Jackson. China? Um, just, Lord knows. He'll probably get another bag of fucking money. That's, that was 
I don't want to talk about it, okay? Um, <laughs> the Knicks have another... They have room coming off the books for a max contract. They could attract guys like Kevin Durant as well as Kyrie Irving. This one doesn't excite me as much as Kyrie Irving, but if they got Jimmy Butler, I'm not going to be mad about it. I'll tell you that. I mean, they have Kyrie's pieces. injury history doesn't scare you? Um, Kyrie's injury history does scare me, but I will put it to you this way. Would I rather would I want to take on that injury risk for a guy who won um not only helped but pretty much led aside from LeBron James a team to win an NBA finals making the biggest shot in the history of the Cleveland Cavaliers and one of the biggest shots of the NBA and probably one of the 10 best players in the league, I'll take my chances. Okay. If he gets hurt, guaranteed contract, I get it, pay him the money. And Kyrie's also one of my favorite players in the league. He's just so much fun to watch. Okay. And I can't a, argue with you there. Aside I was from, just wondering between the two. Between the two, I think I'd rather Kyrie Irving. Jimmy Butler's going on 30, got a lot of mileage on him. He played for Tom Thibodeau, who runs his players into the ground. I know yeah, the that talent. sounds like a Nets move. Yeah, but you know what? I, I don't see it as a Nets move depending on how much they give up. We will talk about that if it happens. The Knicks have young players in Nilakina and a few others that they can give up along with. As long as it's not Porzingis and as long as it's not Knox, whoever you want to give up, I'm fine with. If you give up Nilakina, fine. I'll pack his bags for him. That's okay by me. And it'll also give you a chance to... And you're a Nilakina fan. I am a Nilakina fan, but I'm a bigger Jimmy Butler fan because the talent is proven and still. He's, I know I said I'd rather Kyrie, but the talent is still there and he's only 30 years old. Um, and, you know, these guys now, when they become free agents, a la DeMarcus Cousins or you want to go back to LeBron James when he went to the Heat or any team basically going forward... They don't want to work that hard for a title. They want to have a good time. They want to win a lot of games, and they want to play with their friends. They want to play with USA Basketball. And if Jimmy wants to do that, maybe if the Knicks go out and get a guy like Jimmy Butler and they sneak in as an 8-seed, 7-seed, that might look more attractive to a guy like Kyrie Irving. That might look more attractive to a guy like Kawhi Leonard. That might look more attractive to a guy like Kevin Durant. You know, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to get any of these guys. No, of course These not. are the rumors that have been swirling. Right. Um, so I, I think that as long as, again, if the package is there and it's nothing that I can't, you know, I won't throw up on, I think that it would be definitely an interesting proposal. Another team's the Nuggets. We don't really have to talk much about them. I don't think that Thibodeau is going to trade within the same division, um, but they have a lot of young, talented players and a good amount of cap space moving Will Barton to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, another team that I wrote down that was a consensus was the Philadelphia 76ers. Their, their move, name is going to be mentioned with every big name of course, because, because they have the young nucleus. Sarich and Fultz. They're not, I mean, I believe when the Kawhi Leonard trade was made, I saw an article a few days ago that they wanted either Simmons or Embiid. If you're not going to trade for Kawhi Leonard, for Simmons or Embiid, you're not going to trade for Jimmy Butler for Simmons or Embiid. Absolutely so, not, I mean, nor should they. But they still have a lot of young talent. Markel Fultz, they got the guy Zaire Smith out of... Um, A&M. Out of, no, it was um, Texas Tech, Tech um, who they traded for with the Phoenix Suns. And they have Dario Saric as well. So, you know, if they can move that They got pieces to Will move Barton, if they want exactly. to. And the final team, which I think is the immediate favorite 
to go out and get a guy like Jimmy Butler is the Los Angeles Lakers. I think Jimmy Butler. No if, shit. <laughs> I think Jimmy Butler, if the proposal to go to the Lakers is on the table, because you know these guys are basically free agents because Kawhi did it last year, Kyrie Irving did it the year before. If you don't guarantee that you're going to sign with these guys long term, they're most likely, unless you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, which it ended up working out for them, but who the hell would have thought that? Yeah, nobody, not, not gonna, even them, if you're you gave them truth trade, serum. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to trade for the guy. So, I mean, if he gets word that the Lakers and LeBron are interested in him, either a Kyle Kuzma, most likely a Kyle Kuzma and maybe two first-round picks will get you that guy, or a Kyle Kuzma and expiring contract. I don't think they're going to trade Brandon Ingram because I think they think that Brandon Ingram can be the second-best player on a championship team. But I, I think that the Lakers are probably like a minus 400 if you were betting on a team to go out and get a guy like Jimmy Butler. And, you know, to wrap things up, these things heat up quick in the NBA. Oh, no, they do. Absolutely. I mean, I know the Kyrie Irving thing was prolonged. It happened, um, I believe, right around the 4th of July. The Kawhi thing seemed to happen a little well, bit no, more Kyrie, quickly. Well, no, Kyrie, the, the rumors were swirling. Since the draft. But that didn't happen till late July. Yeah, no, I mean... Um, it was like a month long. But it started to gain momentum very quickly. It got to the point where Kyrie was unhappy, and then before you know it... He's the, gone. The guy is gone, and he's on the Celtics. And I think the same exact thing can happen if the Timberwolves don't make any leeway, which it really doesn't seem to look like they are. Why would they? I mean, there's, there's only a few organizations that can hold their players hostage because the players carry all the capital and equity in the league. I don't think there's any teams I anymore. think there's a few because, you know, not given, you know, the Lakers now are at the mercy of LeBron James, but prior to that, they can kind of do what they want because they're the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I think a couple of those teams, even the Boston Celtics, you know, they traded Pierce and Garnett because they said, "Listen, we're getting a king's ransom and Danny we're not Ainge winning a, with right, we're not winning with savage. you guys again." But other than that, you know, if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, what are you? Why would you not trade him and get as much as you possibly can? The Warriors can't be great forever, okay? And the and the Lakers only have a window with LeBron, especially if the if an Ingram or a Ball or some of the other guys don't come or don't you know take that next step. Build for the future. Get as many assets as you can, whether it's young players who have a lot of promise from the Nets or the Knicks or get those picks that you can get. Why not? Go for it. Don't you know play hardball with a guy like Jimmy Butler. I felt the same way, even though the Spurs are the Spurs, and I still don't understand why Kawhi wanted to leave them so bad, but that's not for this podcast. Okay, you don't want to be here? fine we're gonna get whatever we can for you and and DeMar DeRozan worked out really well I'm sure there's a player on some team that's gonna fall out of favor maybe some bad playoff runs maybe some underachievement maybe an injury history that you want to buy on and and hope that he's gonna be your next you know mainstay I, I that's how I look at it from a Nets and Knicks perspective we can both kind of talk about our team's complimentary is don't mortgage a future. It takes you so long to get a future in the NBA. These teams that build up quick, unless you're a team like the Heat that just got LeBron and Bosh because of Pat Riley, but you already had a Dwayne Wade who you drafted. These teams don't come together usually with three or four big names wanting to go together. The, the Warriors were formed by picking 
Thompson and Curry and Green and playing a brand of basketball that a guy like Durant wanted to go play with and eventually Boogie Cousins too. Knicks and Nets, build a foundation. Don't yeah. go for it all right now. I you mentioned you. Jimmy Butler. And, and but my I, side argument to this is, you know. You have to do something that puts you on the map, too. Well, I get that. that, and if the trade is palatable, go do it. I mean, because with these things, like, you can't really say, aside from Colin Sexton, that the Cavaliers really got much back for a guy like Kyrie Irving, who's one of the best players, probably a top 10 player when healthy in basketball. Why? Because Kyrie Irving said, I'm either going to go to the Boston Celtics or I'm just going to have to figure this out because that's the only team I'm going to resign with. Yeah, of course. And, and, and I, I mean, think Ainge knew that too, that there was the a chance Spurs, he might lose him. But the Spurs were a different situation because, like you said, we don't want to talk about it forever, but for whatever reason... Kawhi just was just like, I just got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I don't even care where get it is. Get out of Dodge and go. But, yeah. I mean, like, these these trades are not going to be what you see where, you know, you see a giant trade for whoever, like when the Nets went out and mortgaged, you know, Billy King or whatever. No, 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 no. What I'm saying, though, is... are holding them hostage and basically being free agents. Right. What, what I'm saying is, is, you know, you kind of mentioned it. If it, it becomes and... a bidding war... And it and it's you start getting multiple first round draft picks, unprotected draft picks. I agree with you. you stay stay clear. You stay mentioned clear. it in two different contexts. You mentioned thirty years old for Butler, and with some of your arguments, you said you know that's a good thing. He's young and take a chance. And others is he's been running to the ground. That's an old thirty. Yeah, I I don't know which one it is. I think it depends on the situation he goes to, and if he can get another top player to join him you know, that becomes a bit more, to use your word, palatable. I don't know, though. And I don't want to take... Listen, I understand that I sound like a Jaden Nett fan, and I'm sorry if I do, but it wasn't just the Pearson-Garnett trade. They traded a boatload for Darren Williams, who did resign, and at the time, you were ecstatic about it. They were moving to Brooklyn. They had Lopez. They had signed. They had traded for Joe Johnson, yeah. who if you want is to get not one it, of the top players. Yeah, he he was, was never Jimmy Butler, he but was he was a very net. good. He was a, he was that second tier yeah. of players. And if you want to get into the to the Darren Williams thing, I think that this is a Yankees A Rod thing. I think the Darren Williams trade was great. I think the first couple of years, Darren Williams was a very good poor point guard on I a think horrible signing, team. I right. think the Agreed. signing was Agreed. terrible. As a, but they a- had Rod no other Yankees. choice because they mortgaged their entire future for the guy with a trade. So what are you going to do? Let him play great on a, on your last few years in New Jersey on a team that was winning 20 games, if that? No, you're going to try to sign him as you go forward because of what you gave up. You're moving to Brooklyn. Forget about, even about the move. Why would you not try to resign? They had to know that they had a chance to resign him a la Carmelo with the Knicks, they knew they were going to re-sign him. But Darren Williams was going to sign with the Nets. He had one more year left on his deal. He played that out in New Jersey. They sold him on Brooklyn. I think they sold him on being able to offer him more money than anybody else. But he was a guy who you questioned the same. That must have been a same. difficult sell. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, and they, you know, he had the knee. He had injury history too. Nothing severe, but kind of what Jimmy Butler has dealt with thus far. And then they put him on a team that was pretty good, and he just caved. And well, I would got, hate to see he got that. Out of, he was he got out, out of shape. shape. And I understand he's a horrible. He's not a an example of you know why you should stay away from other people because of what happened with him. But you have to look from a Nets perspective. Is look at every move that they've made has been, and I think that's what the Knicks are trying to do. We've discussed this with both our locals. 
don't try to go for the jugular now. I know the East is weaker now than ever that LeBron James is out of it, but the Celtics are still very good and young. And even if they lose Kyrie, that's still a good team. And I, you've got the reign of the Sixers and the Milwaukee's Celtics are, there. The Celtics are scary, man, because, you know, they might want it with Kyrie's injury history. I'm not saying they do want him to walk, but they'll be fine if he does. Yeah. They have so many good guards between Rozier, Smart taking that step forward. Tatum can handle the ball. Jalen Brown, I mean, and then you got Gordon Hayward, you know, who can also handle the ball. And then your forwards and this big man that they got in the draft. Dude, they from just Texas A&M. They draft as good as anybody. They develop as good as anybody. And they acquire talent as well as anybody because they know what they want to give up and they play hardball. That's what Danny Ainge is a wizard at. I know that a lot of franchises have been robbed by Danny Ainge. So let's put a bow it's on it. not just you. No, you just exactly. The worst. Yeah, we were just the worst possibly of all time. Billy King, how in God. And I, I, by the way, he's on NBA TV and he was like talking at the trade deadline. I was like, why are you on? Who is hiring you to talk about trades unless you're talking about the worst trades of all time? Get off the TV. Um, but no, I, I think for the Jimmy Butler, that was a very interesting topic. It kind of materialized. And to your credit, yep. you're you're usually pretty quick on these things. And you're right. Like, they materialize quick. There's chance that, you know, Minnesota just immediately realizes shit. Because you also have to think about it, too. Do they really want to have an unhappy Jimmy Butler on that team with no, a young talent that you nothing. still might want to have and develop and try to sa- and try to salvage? You don't want to have a bad locker room when it comes to two young players because then you lose all three. Exactly. And Jimmy's the first to go because they have the least invested in him, and he's the oldest player. But, you know, when, you, when every single newsworthy website is calling it a last-ditch effort. That's scary. I think we're going to be talking about this over the next few weeks. There's going to be a lot more news to come, and things are going to heat up. By the way, we have our NBA predictions coming up at some point soon because we are exactly one month out from opening night. Wow. Jesus Christ. Can you believe it? We're going to be starting to play preseason soon. It's going to get really interesting. Yeah, Knicks Nets October 6th, and then you know there's a couple of those games, and the 16th is the first night of the NBA season. Wow. yeah, so those, these uh, fall podcasts are going to be locked and loaded. Join us Wednesday. It is week two analysis of NFL. Tom is chomping at the bit. We had to hold him down a little bit today. Yep. But uh, he found the Jimmy Butler story. We had plenty else to talk about. So Wednesday night, next podcast, episode 31, NFL reactions, NFL previews. We'll be seeing you then. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Night.